But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Welcome to Feel the Heat, episode six. I'm your host, Dave, along with my co-host, Webb, who I know you guys missed so much last episode. We thank you for listening to our show and submitting your questions. As promised, we will answer your questions today. Webb, why don't you say hi to everybody today? They missed you, man. Yeah, man. Sorry I had to miss the last episode. I'm on, we on different coasts and just timing, just timing. That's all, that's all it was, but I'm back. Let's get into it. Feel free to send us your questions or topics as you'd like us to cover for next episode, which will air on Tuesday next week at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash forward slash message. Also, you can reach us on Twitter at feel the heat underscore KW and DM us your questions or topics. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Moving forward, NCAA week two of college football season is here. Hoping to build on what turned into a more dramatic week than it looked on paper. Will SEC teams Tennessee and Missouri bounce back after unexpected losses? Can UNC and Mac Brown notch another underdog win? And who will be victorious in this season's first top 10 showdown? A battle between number six, LSU, and number nine, Texas, in Austin. But first, we take a look at number one, Clemson, at number 13, Texas A&M at College Station. And no doubt, I'm rolling with Clemson. Trevor Lawrence should have a better performance than he did last week. But to be fair, he didn't have to have a spectacular game against Georgia Tech. But if Clemson wants to win this game, he needs to play at a peak performance with little or minor errors. Because I believe Texas A&M will capitalize on any mistake that he makes against their defense. Right. I don't see how you can't go with Clemson in this matchup. I just think too many weapons. Trevor Lawrence, all-world, he didn't have a spectacular game last week. But to be honest, he really didn't need to. He has T. Higgins and Travis Etienne, which honestly, to me, other than their spectacular defense, really is enough. I think it'll be enough. Travis Etienne is going to run all over him. I'm excited to see this matchup. Um, some say it's the first test of the season for Clemson, but it may not be a test at all. And that's what's so good about college football. You just never know what to expect. Move forward, number six, LSU versus number nine, Texas will be a tough battle, but I believe the Tigers possess one of the more talented defenses in the nation this year. And they also add an offense, but their new no huddle spread scheme will get a test in the, the rowdy um, road environment against Texas in Austin. I think this will be a tight one all the way. And we will be on our, our, our heels as we watch this game. But LSU's defense will be the difference and the key for LSU to come out victorious. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, LSU's quarterback, Joe Burrow. I mean, last week, if you look at his week one performance, I mean, 23 of 27 passing for 278 yards and five touchdowns. 
I mean, I just, I got to go with LSU on this one. Absolutely. They're the better team. The last two seasons, the Oklahoma Sooners have had back-to-back winners with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Can they three-peat? Um, honestly, I think it's too early to tell. During Jalen Hurts has only played one game and I don't think he's really been tested yet. I mean, historically speaking, when Jalen Hurts has been under pressure, when, when the pressure has really been applied, it, a case there is a case to be made that his accuracy just, it gets shaky. And that's a, a big concern for me considering he's a really mobile quarterback, but I don't want him to lean heavily towards that because he might get hurt. Then everything, all his hard work, all that pain, all that struggle, it looks it looks in vain to me. But that's just my opinion. I think that Oklahoma could absolutely three-peat Heisman winners, especially if Jalen Hurts continues down this path. I addressed this last episode, so I won't go too much in depth on my side. But he will be in the top runners. I mean, along with Trevor Lawrence, um, along with the, the quarterback from Texas. What's his name, Kyle? The quarterback from Texas? Sam Ellinger? Yes. yes. I think that if all three of these quarterbacks have a really great season, that they will be in the running. It won't be easy, but if he continues to have performances like he did in week one, six touchdowns, if he continues to average you know, four or five touchdowns a game, and it puts up big numbers, I think that he will be um, the front runner for Heisman. But it all comes down to how the other quarterbacks and wide receivers and running backs play as well this year. I mean, by the way, Todd, at at the same time, you can't sleep on Texas. Last year, they went five and one against ranked opponents. So I don't think you can sleep on them. I'm not sleeping on Texas at all, but I just, I'm just going with, I, I have to go with LSU. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree. So, by the way, I started um, a, a win column for us. It's called Fill the Heat Win Column. Under the NCAA, you have two wins. I have zero as you picked the first two winners of our highlight games of the week. I believe you picked Auburn and I don't know the other team you picked, but it was uh, the second. That was your second win. So, by the way, Auburn came back at the last minute and that was addressed last episode as well. Yeah, it was. I heard you. Um, the NFL. As the NFL season is underway, the AB drama continues. And the team planned to suspend him. But now with breaking news, he will suit up. He will play Monday, which I didn't think they would suspend him. Because if they suspended him, that means that they would have to cut him. And he would forfeit the $30 million guaranteed, which will allow him to go anywhere he wanted to go. And um, most people thought that, that would be the Patriots. I didn't believe that the team was ready to release AB and lose another superstar like they lost Khalil Mack last year. They haven't been a great team, and to lose two superstars in two seasons, it's just it just would be very hard on the team and very hard for the team to believe in anything that 
that Coach Gruden or uh, GM Mike Mayock is has for the team, any goals they have. So buy into their vision. It would be very difficult for those players to do that, being that, hey, these last two seasons, you gave away the best guys we had. So what do you really want to do? Right. I agree with that. And honestly, I think AB will play this season. How how many games he'll miss? I think I think he's going to miss some games. But how many, I couldn't say. But I also agree with you. John Gruden is sticking his neck out way too far. I mean, like you said, trading their best two players. And then AB's starting to look like he's not going to pan out. And on AB's part, I think that was really childish for him to even say that to even call the Raiders haters when he posted the fine letter from Mike Mayock on on social media. I mean, they they gave him $30 million guaranteed and he hasn't even pl- played a snap yet. He hasn't even played a snap yet. He filed three grievances with the NFL. I mean, better players get get more chances, but at this point, if, if it starts to affect why they're giving him so many chances, which is him producing on the football field. I think after that, it's not worth it. I think uh, that what Keyshawn Johnson said last night on ESPN, and if anybody knows, Keyshawn Johnson was a wide receiver who did have a lot of issues with his head coach as he was under John Gruden in his time at Tampa. Um and he had a lot of issues. So he's a wide receiver, superstar, who knows, you know, what A.B. is going through. And he has some advice for him. And he said, you know, and it makes sense to me that Mike Mayock has to handle A.B. differently than he handles the other guys on the team. And it might not seem fair, but at the end of the day, A.B. is a superstar. He's someone that you just can't write a fine paper and send it to him. You need to invite him to your office, have him sit down, talk to him about what's going on. And say, hey, look, you know what, A.B., we was on your side the whole time that you filed your grievance. We were patient when, with your foot injury because we want you to be healthy for the season. But you cannot continue to have behavioral issues that affect the team chemistry. Instead of sending him a fine and not talking to him, there's a way to handle a superstar. And at the same time, A.B. has to be more of an adult, more mature about the the way he's handling issues that he may have with the GM or with the coach or with any of his teammates. I couldn't agree more. In regards to the AB situation, JT from Romeo, Michigan says, if AB is released from Oakland, should the Lions pick him up as they have the cap space to do so? Is it possible that AB gives Stafford the chance to redeem himself for the short career of Calvin Johnson? Will AB... In Detroit, bring hype to the city or negativity. And I'll say this to you, um, JT. If, 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 if was a fifth, we all be drunk, right? Because right now, AB is a Raider. He is playing Monday. That was breaking news. He is in the lineup. He's not inactive. He's not suspended. He's not cut. But of course, if AB was in Detroit, he would create nightmares for opposing defenses. Yes, the Lions should go after him, as well as any team, I believe that there were teams lined up saying, hey, if they suspend this guy, 
we're calling his representatives today to get a deal done. At least invite him to meet, you know, our GM over here and see what we can do to make him happy, you know, in the future. But right now, that's not going to happen. Um, and to answer your question, does AB get Stafford a chance to redeem himself for a short career for Calvin Johnson? Possibly, but they would literally have to go deep into the playoffs or win a Super Bowl for Matt Stafford to redeem himself, according to a lot of Detroit Lions fans. Right. I mean, for me, the short logical answer is we'll never know. I, exactly. I, just, don't, I just don't see it happening. But if if you wanted me to give you if if it happened if it happened hypothetically <laughs> hypothetically speaking I think I think Bob Quinn would just wouldn't be able to handle AB at all I think they would just end up I think it would end up causing more problems than it would in terms of creating solutions and winning games I just I just don't see it but to the Matt Stafford thing, I definitely think it would, it would definitely up Matt Stafford's report with people. I mean, because honestly, at this point, I can't defend Matt Stafford anymore. But I think a lot of that goes to his personnel. I mean, excluding Calvin Johnson, which I still think they should, they should release his contract. Absolutely, I think that was another one of J- JT's questions. Should um, they release his contract? Um, yeah, and they should. Get over it. It's done. It's done. Big Heck from New Orleans asked, is uh, Lawrence Taylor the best linebacker to play? And I think that this is just a funny question because I believe Big Heck wants to bring relevance to his team, the Giants. I mean, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter. I'm pretty sure you did, actually, uh, Webb where a fan asked if the Giants were going to the Super Bowl this year, and he said that they need to go take a drug test. Right. And I'm saying a big heck, maybe you need to go take a drug test for asking this question. Because no doubt, Lawrence Taylor is the best linebacker to ever play. And he's one of the greatest players in the NFL to ever play. He's a 10-time All-Pro, 10-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champ, rookie of the year, MVP, Three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, the list goes on and on. He he recreated the position, the linebacker position, with his IQ, athleticism, and tenacity. He made the linebacker the mo- one of the most important and demanding positions in football. So I really don't understand how anyone could argue this. Lawrence Taylor is the best linebacker to ever play. Simple. Right. I agree with you. I mean, honestly, it's kind of hard to argue that. But if I had to say somebody else, if I had to, it would be Ray Lewis. 10-time All-Pro, 13-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, two-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. And he's in the Hall of Fame as well. So, I mean, I'm going to go with Lawrence Taylor. But a close second is Ray Lewis. A very close second. And that's not a bad argument, but I just feel like this was a question where you hear Lawrence Taylor, you automatically think one of the greats, if not the great. If you if you have him anything after one, something may be wrong with you. You don't think of great when you hear Ray Lewis? 
when I hear Ray Lewis, of course I think of great. But he's number two, always will be number two. Lawrence Taylor will always be number one. Like I said, he recreated the demand for the linebacker position, the way it's played. So Ray Lewis came after Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Like I said, and he added his own flair to it, to the game. But at the end of the day, it was Lawrence Taylor who who set out the standard for linebackers. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's difficult to argue, but a close second if I had to pick somebody else would be Ray Lewis. But I think that question was just for us to talk about the Giants, who other than Saquon Barkley is pretty irrelevant. I mean... Other than Saquon Barkley, your glimmer of hope is Daniel Jones, and he's not even going to start. So <laughs> they, they are pretty irrelevant, and I hate that. I feel like we're always nagging on your team, Big Head. But at the end of the day, they're not a relevant team right now. If they surprise me, I don't know. They're not. Maybe I'll pay, maybe I'll pay for you to go to a Giants game this year if they surprise me. But. Listen, I don't think Saquon Barkley's not Eric Dickerson. They're not going to hand him the ball eight, nine, ten times in a row. It's just not going to happen. But I'll tell you what will happen. Eli Manning will throw at least one or two interceptions every game. <laughs> uh, man, let's oh, move man. on. Okay, moving on. Sunday, September 8th will feature all NFL teams besides the Bears and the Packers. And we will give you our picks for games of the week according to divisions. But to go back to the Bears versus the Packers, I thought it was a very boring game. I was not impressed by either offense. I thought Mitch Trubisky was horrible. I felt like the Bears needed to open up their playbook. Um, I think that both defenses played well. But I wasn't impressed. And if both teams continue to play that way with their offense so poorly going on into the season, I don't see how anyone could pick the Bears or the Packers to win the NFC North. I mean, my team to be, would be the Vikings. Okay. I, I, I had a feeling you were going to say the Vikings. And to be honest with you, I disagree up until we start talking about Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson because I think Mitch Trubisky is just really limited on offense. I mean, he just, he looked very stagnant. The protection wasn't all that great and then at the end when Mitch Trubisky really had a chance to win the game or it, no tie it up no win the game yeah I'm right he had a no, chance to win the up. game he, he threw three straight horrible passes and turned the ball over and that sealed the game for Green Bay and not to mention he took a sack on fourth down in his own territory I mean, his IQ for the game has to be better than what it is. And I feel like the offense needs to open up the playbook to give him more options. You cannot line up Tyreek Cohen at wide receiver when he was a running back. You can't do that. And it limits his position. It limits how much that Trubisky's looking for him to get the ball to make make a a play. But I wasn't that impressed with... uh, the Green Bay Packers offense either. But I know the Green Bay Packers, they have a Hall of Famer quarterback. He will adjust, I believe. But if he continues to play that way, if, if the O-line for the Packers continue to let him get sacked five times a game, then the Packers are going to be in trouble. I mean, but you can't really you can't really blame the Packers too much. I mean, 
look who the Bears have running at Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Khalil Mack by himself had better stats alone than whole NFL defenses. Oh, that's a little bit stretching that one a little bit, but that's something we can we could definitely come back to that on Tuesday's episode. That's so I, I, want, I want somebody to ask me that question so bad, I really do. We will come back to that on Tuesday, I promise you. That'll be something we come back. But for now, we're going to go to the games of the week. Um, we're going to make a quick pick, and we'll start off in the AFC East, the Bills versus the Jets, which is a divisional game. Who do you got? Um, I'm going to go with the Jets, considering that the Bills' offense is really – it's sorry, their quarterback. He's, in, he's an inaccurate thrower who likes to throw down the field, so – I think the Jets, they just have too many weapons. I think we have Josh Allen versus Sam Darnold. And it really comes down to how well the quarterbacks play, but I'm going with the Jets because they have Le'Veon Bell. Jets by eight. In the AFC West, we have the Raiders versus the Broncos, another divisional game, which is a Monday night game. Who do you got? Um, You know I like to go with the underdog, so I'm going to go with the Raiders. I like the Broncos. It's just too much drama surrounded by the Raiders right now. It may affect team chemistry. Uh, teammates may not trust AB. Uh, teammates may be mad and feel like that the GM and the coaches are playing favoritism. So I'm going to go with the Broncos, and we'll see how it plays out. AFC North, Steelers versus the Patriots. Again, I'm going to go underdog, and I'm going to go with the Steelers only because I want to I want to see how Juju does under pressure. And I want to win. I, I, I think the I think the Steelers can steal one from the Patriots. We will see if Juju can carry the load that AB carried. But I'm going to go with the Patriots, of course, right? You know that's my team. Yeah. Patriots, they're the more talented team. So here we have it: Steelers versus Patriots. AFC South: Jags versus Chiefs. Another divisional game. Who do you got? I got the Chiefs. I think their offense is just too strong. Pat Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns last season. That alone. Is I'm I'm extremely inclined to just pick the Chiefs. However, I do think the Jags have the better defense. I think that the uh, the, the Chiefs will win as well. Uh, I believe in Pat Mahomes, um, but also Nick Foles gives the Jags hope. But the uh, the Chiefs defense, and I know I have said it before um, that they had Chandler Jones and I met Chris Jones, and they have some pretty solid corners. So we will see. Jags versus Chiefs, a divisional game. We both got the Chiefs, and hopefully they both uh, they win. NFC East, Cowboys versus the Giants. Is it even really a question? No, no, it's it's really not. Cowboys, all day. NFC West, Rams versus Panthers. I gotta go with the Rams, considering that they just. Again, they have too many weapons on offense and defense. They have a really good defense. I mean, Aaron Donald is the best the best in the NFL. He's the best. Absolutely. No questions asked. And uh, Todd Gurley will not see any limitation on plays. He will play full. He will see, he will see the bulk of the offense uh, from the running back standpoint. So I got the Rams. I think th- I really think they're not going to – I don't think they're going to hand him the ball – as much as they did last season because they really leaned too heavily on him last season. He took 250 carries last season, and that's not even including the catches. 
they probably will use him more in the open field because he's just as a dangerous threat as any wide receiver out there too. Right. Once he gets the ball in the open field and makes plays, he's very explosive. So we could see a um, a slowdown in his carries, but more production in his receptions. I agree. NFC North Vikings versus the Falcons. I'm going with the Falcons here, considering they have Julio Jones, who I think is going to have an even better year this year than he did last year. Plus, Calvin Ridley, I think he's going to have a better year than he did last year. I mean, what do you have? 70 receptions, something like that, 10 touchdowns. Uh, less receptions than yeah, that. I think he had like 40 receptions, something like that, for 10 yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, he, he definitely had 10 touchdowns, yeah, last season. So I, I do like Ridley. But I think it's going to be a, a shootout, but I like the Vikings to come on on top. In the NFC South, Texans versus the Saints, who do you got? Honestly, I got this. I have the Saints. I think they have the better defense. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they have, I think Michael Thomas is spectacular, but at the same time, you can't count out Deshaun Watson. He's spectacular outside the pocket. He can throw on the run well. DeAndre Hopkins, all-world receiver. Anything can happen. I mean, I, I got the Saints, but anything can happen. Yep, I have the Saints as well. If Hopkins is the only threat that the Saint the Saints defense ha- and focuses on him, and uh, full, um, Will Fuller, Will Fuller is not really, you know, um, at one hundred percent like they say he is, yeah. then the Saints' chance to win it just increases. And that wraps it up for our divisional picks of the week, divisional games of the week, anyways. And we will move forward now to the NBA. Team USA redeemed themselves by obliterating Japan, 98-45. They will next face off against Greece and their star, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Saturday, which is tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. If you're up, you should catch it. Um, should be a really good game. Team USA has been struggling. I'm not sure that they can beat Greece. I'm not sure that they have anybody on their team. They can stop Giannis, but also I really don't have any knowledge on Greece te- on Greece's team either. So it should be a good game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think that uh, Team USA has to bring their A game, and also I believe that um, the guy from Boston, what's his name? Not not Jalen. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum has sprained his ankle. And he's out. He won't. He will not be playing. So that makes a difference too, because he's a, a great scorer, a great athlete. And I'm just not sure. Team, Team USA really. I don't think they really out edge Team Greece right now. But I could be wrong. I mean, when you look at Team USA this year, opposed to other years, I think they're a lot. I think they're a lot younger this year. Um. Like you said, Jason Tatum's hurt. But I think Boston did a good job containing Giannis in the playoffs last year. I mean, Team USA does have Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown as well. So, I mean, they could probably provide some insight in that. But, I mean, scoring-wise, I can't really complain. Joe Harris, Jalen Brown, definitely reliable. Chris Middleton, he's a good, he's a really good scorer. Donovan Mitchell, I think they can get it done if they can just contain Giannis. Right, I don't think it's a matter of them scoring because they have really great scores. I think that it's a matter of containing Giannis and 
not letting Giannis get off to a hot start. Right. You know, they don't want to get down early. Uh, but they are Team USA. They're supposed to be the best in the world. And we will see tomorrow if they win or lose. We have added a new section into the podcast, the MLB, as some questions have come up about the MLB. So, obviously, people felt like we were missing um, some content as far as that. So, I'll go down real briefly and let you know what's going on in the MLB. As the MLB's regular season is drawn to an end, the postseason races are starting to narrow down to top teams. In the American East, the Yankees are counting down the days until they can officially claim this division. In the American League Central, the Twins now hold a 6-5 game lead, and that division is becoming increasingly less competitive. In the American West, it still belongs to the Houston Astros. The National League East, the Braves continue to be perhaps the hottest team in all of baseball, and they lead the East in six and a half games. In the National League Central, the Cardinals, they do not feel like giving up their grip in this division as they are among the hottest teams also in the game. In the National League West, it is the most lopsided division in the game, and the Dodgers remain in the lead at 18 games. That wraps it up for the MLB. Now we'll move on to Max Kellerman's comments about track and field not being a real sport and for athletes who failed at other sports. Well, what are, what are your thoughts behind his comments? I thought he was completely wrong on track not being a real sport. I mean, people, if you look at the dedication that people put into this, they train for years, day after day, for a 10-second uh, a to 40-second event, and they only get one try. I mean, if you spend all that time preparing for just that little short amount of time, you can't tell me that's not an athlete. You can't tell me that's not a sport. That's that's cream of the crop if you're talking athletes in their respectable sport, in their respectable event if we're talking Olympics. I think he's wrong. And for athletes who failed at other sports, I'm kind of in the middle with it because there are athletes who have failed at other sports who have done well in track, but I don't exactly lean that way. So, I think he's wrong overall. I think Max Kellerman, his comments about track um, and Phil not being a real sport, I think that for saying that, he's a real jackass. I really be, I really believe that. Because, like you said, there are so many people who dedicate their whole life to this one event to get gold for their whole country. Not only that, it's just not the Olympics they compete in. They have world championships. They have different events they get invited to all over the world to compete throughout the track and field season. Um, and I think he was just wrong for saying that. I, th- I don't think he was right. And I don't think that it's for athletes who have failed at other sports because there are some athletes who are just naturally gifted to do the triple triple jump or the long jump or to sprint like Usain Bolt did. I mean... I don't think if Usain Bolt played football, he would be a really good football player. I don't think if he played baseball, he would be a really good baseball player. But the fact of the matter is, he is a track runner and he has dominated at that at that sport for years upon years. So I mean, um, didn't Tyreek Hill run track? I, Tyreek Hill ran track. So did uh, Chris um, Chris Goodwin or Mark Marquise Goodwin? Excuse Marquise me, Goodwin. from San Francisco. Yeah. But I mean, Tyreek Hill, you can't coach speed. So if you got hands and you got speed, 
I think you can I think you can do other stuff than just run track. You absolutely can, but you can absolutely run track and play other sports. I mean, it's very common, especially in the South, especially in Florida, for football players to run track during the off season, to participate in track and field events during the off season, to keep up with conditioning. And it's not just to teach speed. And these guys go back in the in the season in the fall and they dominate. They're explosive. And that's because track gives them an advantage. Now, if you take some of those same players and you put them against other states who maybe their football players don't participate in track in the offseason, you can see the difference in their conditioning, in their speed. Um, but, you know, everybody has their own opinion. I just think that that was just very a very crazy take. And that's why everybody has their own sports show. I agree. I agree completely. So for today, for episode six, that wraps us up for everything. Thank you for joining Feel the Heat. Um, We gave you some uncomfortable takes. I know that um, I got some messages coming from a few people and we're ready to hear what your thoughts are for today's episode. Please feel free to send in your questions at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat slash message and before we go um, Webb will give you his final thoughts on today. Hey I'm looking forward to the next episode I'm going to be there for the next episode and I'll be there to answer your questions I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy college football week two and NFL week one season openers Hope your teams do well. Good luck to all you fantasy owners out there as well. See you later <laughs>